Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. And... Boom! Just like that, the Western Mason. Warriors are what? what, what oh, sorry. What, what were you going to give? I, I thought you were saying the Western Warriors what? Pop Warner teams oh. won Super Bowls. Oh, oh yeah, there it is. That wasn't the breaking news that, that I was in. Oh, that's the leading oh, that's story. Sorry, right. won the Super yeah, Bowl. Pee Wee and Mighty Mites. But I, my nice. bad. I thought oh, I, I read the rundown wrong. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's right. By the way, <laughs> well, congrats. Shout out! Shout out! That's the rundown. <laughs> Talking Western Warriors. But boom! Just like that, the Western Warriors won them both. You hijacked Congrats, man! That's awesome. Fantastic! I love it. Tear in my eye. Just a little tiny tear. Here, right here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but boom, just like that, the baseball season is over because oh. the Red Sox <laughs> go out to LA and they get it done after what was a crazy game three, one yeah. of the uh, longest uh, games in history not in the postseason. Ever. I, ever. Yeah. Not one of. Right. The longest ever postseason game. Unbelievable. Alex Cora called it the best game he's ever been a part of. Ridiculous. I thought it was too long, personally. <laughs> like it's one of those yeah. ones where, hey, maybe it is a good time to put a runner on second right. in the 11th, 12th, or whatever. I think LA people, there was even a shot of the stadium at the end of the game, and even LA people where it was midnight were gone. Like the upper decks, people with kids, like had to go yeah. home, get some sleep. Uh, but it is a wrap. Uh, the Red Sox, 108 regular season wins. They go on. Where does this put them? Like, is this, greatest teams ever for some reason i don't know if it's they're missing a star or whatever it is i don't feel like we've talked about them about them in that light just yet but how should they be looked at i think you just said it perfectly where's the star but you're asking about the greatest team ever and they are among the greatest teams ever if you look at they had 119 wins and that's you know the the mariners in 2000 and something 2001 they won uh, uh, 121, I think, and then the Yankees of 98. They were unreal with stars. With stars. I'm yep. so excited. I'm hitting my microphone. The Red Sox are one of the best teams ever. Best teams ever. So, if you look, if you're sitting in that front office, right, and you've got a team like that, you know there's got Alex Cora, fantastic uh, season. It's hard to duplicate that type of stuff. Where are you guys? How far out in advance are you guys starting to target what you need to do to this team, even though it won a World Series? Like, you, you can't stand pat, right? So we met on the 2004 season uh, the day after the parade. Yeah. That's really? how long we celebrated. The day after the parade. Oh, it's pretty parade. incredible how, how much work and how far in advance you guys are starting it's, to target. And, and frankly, you start during it during the season. Here's the problem with Alex Cora right now. He's been to the mountaintop. Right. And that he's a rookie manager, one of five ever to do it. Now, is he favored to repeat? He may be, because that team's together. They've got Kimbrel as a free agent, the MVP, Pierce, uh, who raked again uh, last night. But they, they're they bringing back young guys who are really, really, really good. Plus, J.D. Martinez is signed to a long-term deal. Yeah. They still have sale, and Price is still there. So they have a chance, but repeating in baseball is hard. All right, let's listen to Alex Cora, what he had to say after the game last night. Thanks to go. After game, game three, how proud I am of this group. Since day one, you guys bought into the concept. From day one, we were a family. Throughout the year, we added people to the equation, and they were amazing. People are talking about the Red Sox, and I'm proud of you guys, but honestly, 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 thank you. Thank you, thank you. One 
thing that came after the thank you. <laughs> that was a not made for TV no, moment right no. after that. I hate it because I'm a Yankees fan. I don't want to root for the Red Sox, but I love Alex Cora. He's a great dude. They're, they have a lot of likable guys. And you know what? This is where stars are made. Guys like Steve Pierce, like if they continue to uh, success. Mookie Betts, one of the most likable guys. I think he's one of the most sellable guys in Major League Baseball. Um, you're going to start with Chris Sale, the emotional leader of that team, who after game three gave some, you know, pep talk that, you know, fired everybody up in that, in that clubhouse. So I think you're going to see stars get made and come out of this team for sure. You know, Mookie Betts, you're talking about the MVP. So here's who the Red Sox have on their team. They have the MVP. They have a top three MVP finisher this year is going to be JD Martinez. Mm-hmm. They've got Chris Sale, who's a legitimate ace. Obviously, big time concerns about his shoulder. Why he wasn't starting last night's game is only because of his shoulder. They wouldn't bring back Price on short rest, short of Sale being hurt. They've got David Price, who now is a great regular season pitcher, and now he exercised his postseason demons mm-hmm. by having a great series. Great closer in Kimbrel. Can they sign him back? Will they sign him back? So they they've got depth. They've got a great system, and they've got money. Other than that, they have nothing going for them. So, yeah, right. Other than that, it looks like they're in a rough spot. No, I think you'll see some stars start to develop, and that's what happens. Great teams. All of a sudden, you start playing in the postseason. More people recognize you. Start doing it. What are you stars? What's a guy like Manny Machado do now? Like what? I mean, that's a rental, right? So, like, where he's a free agent, right? And uh, his agent is panicked right now because his stock dropped during the postseason. He's the anti Carlos Beltran who in 2004 was with the Astros, had an amazing postseason yeah. and parlayed it into a huge contract with the Mets that ended up being a nightmare, unless I have that wrong, Coca. So Machado is now trying to figure out who he's going to sign with because it's not going to be L.A. Right. They've got Corey Seager, who was out for a year with Tommy John, and he'll be back. He just did some things this postseason. He's really talented offensively and defensively, but not a great guy, not a great teammate. And admitting you don't hustle. Did you guys talk about that on the show? Yes, which was ridiculous. Can you imagine saying that in <laughs> out loud? With not my tea? cup of tea. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then he backed it up by by not hustling. Right, and he actually did it. Was like trotting out there, wouldn't run out ground balls. It's unbelievable. Then he had the Jesus Aguilar play where he, you know, kicked him on the bag. There were several other questionable plays, and it goes back to the slide against Pedroia. Like uh, other guys, Christian Yelich is calling him out, saying he's one of the dirty players, but. Say he lost a lot of money. Somebody's going to sign him, right? And he is a boatload of money. Yes, he's going to get a boatload. I don't think he surpasses Stanton. Uh, and I think, and I always said, I always said Harper's going to get more, and I believe Harper will get more. Uh, Harper's a gamer, right. always. Harper doesn't take a playoff. He doesn't say I'm not hustling. He yeah. he plays hard, and Machado just doesn't, and that's that's disappointing. And if you're going to talk that way, you better play well. He had a horrible. Horrible World Series when it mattered most. And the way the game ended, he was the last out, swinging. They're down four runs. He's down on the knob, yeah. swinging wildly, ending up on one knee. I thought it was a perfect end. <laughs> did you see? Yeah, it was. Did, did you That's see great. what uh, what Harper? That's great. So much, so much hate. Yeah, so much. I love you, man. <laughs> no, not for me, for Machado. Oh, I thought you meant for players. No, but he deserves it. Did you Did you see what happened with uh, Bryce Harper's agent set of deals oh, in place? Yes. Do you believe him, or is that just to try to? Make some other team nervous, thinking that hey, that's not our deal, and try to back. Scott Boris's mouth is moving; he's lying. <laughs> that's it, and and that is a clear, clear statement. I've dealt with him for eighteen years. He he makes up markets. 
and he gets owners to do things they don't want to do because he tells them if you do it, you're going to feel well. You're going to get a ring. And he does it right after like a World Series. There's 30 owners watching that. Mm -hmm. One of them is the winner and 29 of them are jealous. And they want to be that. They want to be John Henry. And what do you do? Boris calls and says, listen, if you take Bryce Harper, you will be on that podium next year. (laughs) Do you think he breaks the 325 that Stanton got? Uh, no, because don't. I, don't, I don't think anyone gives him that number of years. I think signing 10-year deals now shouldn't be done. We gave 13 to Stanton, and, and that's a long time. Yeah. And it didn't – you know, he's already into year five now. Wow. And, and thinking about it, uh, it, it, it goes quickly. But Harper and Machado are both young. But, man, 10 years is a long time. Do you – so last night I was watching the game. I'm a Clayton Kershaw fan because I hate when guys get pegged with, you know, oh, can't do it, can't – he's not clutch – because he doesn't have much success in the postseason, and yet he's one of the most dominant pitchers we've seen in baseball in the regular season. And then last night, I'm like, oh, he gets up the home run in the first inning. I'm like, here we go. That ball was right in the middle. Like, like, what do do you do? Like, is that a real thing now? Because I still don't buy it, and yet he hasn't done it. He hasn't gotten over that. You think that John Starks 2 for 18 is part of his legacy? It's not a question. It's yeah. not, a, it, it's not question. And by the way, great player. Of course. Helped the tremendously, but his legacy is two for 18 in June of 1994. Yep. And that's, and that's the biggest part of his legacy, quite frankly. I agree. You forget how good he was as a, as a, like him and Jordan. I mean, Jordan was a boss, but he had great games against MJ. Un, and I was, I was a part of all of those. Remember watching all those and, but, but two for 18. Clayton Kershaw has a narrative that he did not erase. And narratives, when they continue, David Price erased his. Right. By pitching well this postseason, Clayton Kershaw made his worse. He's in a deeper hole, and his stuff is getting worse, mm-hmm. and his hole is getting deeper, and his ability to get out of it is declining and decreasing. What we, the clip we showed is, is absolutely ridiculous. Clayton Kershaw, haven't thought about that yet. I've got three days. <laughs> got three I'll, days I'll, to think about it. He's here, definitely gone, right? Here, no, I don't agree at all. Really? I don't, he's owed $65 million. I do not believe there's a team out there who will give him more years. What is he going to get? 80 over four and he's going to switch teams for 80 over four, maybe 20 million a year for an extra 15 million. I think the Dodgers give him a pillow contract. They give him an extra year, maybe two to lower what they owe him in the next two years so they can help with their luxury tax and he stays a Dodger. And I'm on an island here, but I'm looking at Kershaw's stuff. He's not an ace. He's just not anymore. But here's a, one more nugget for you. Uh, in 72 hours, the reason we put that in the clause is it starts the tampering process early because there's always tampering. Obviously. Yeah, sure. So he has his agent has gone through all 29 teams. His agent knows exactly what is out there in the free agent market well before he started last night's game. So it's done. The decision's been made right. where Kershaw is going, and of course he's had conversations with the Dodgers. Right now, the front office of the Dodgers they're thinking about parades. They're thinking right. about the the logistics of being World Series champ of being World Series um um runners right. up and how they're going to recover. They're not starting to deal with a, uh, his agent going back and forth with contract negotiations over seventy two hours. No chance. It's been done already. You mentioned David Price getting over that hump. Over nine started. Now he's got a couple wins under his belt. Big win for him. Obviously he's emotional. Here he was after the game talking about it. Your teammates speak so highly of you. What does it mean to you to be a great teammate? <sighs> Um, question is that? Great question. <laughs> Whatever gets a cry, that's a great question. Me, you to be a great teammate. <clears throat> a year ago, he was run out of Boston. Yeah. That's why he's now he's crying a yeah. lot. I mean, this is um, this is a game we get to play. 
you know, it's uh, it's the relationships that you make, you know, while you do this, while you play this game that, uh, That's what that's makes awesome. this game so special. Awesome, but that's but that's what I think the toll on him was that reputation yeah. and how much it bothered him. And that is a lot about his love for his teammates. But I think that's a lot more about I hated that narrative. I wanted more than anything to do away with that. So that's not my legacy. The Red it's Sox the, fans were done. all over right. him. You know what the question should have been though? It should have been talk to me about how the relationships with your teammates have helped you like stay afloat during that. Because clearly the monkey's off his back, and I think. You know, that emotion is like you make relationships with your brothers in the clubhouse. Like that's your family. And those relationships can get you through hard times. No matter what the, the stadium is saying about you or the town, as long as the people in your clubhouse believe in you or the people in the locker room, you know, there's fight there. There's chance there. And, and I think that's the emotion you see from him. But right? he struggled, man. What happened in Boston, he was having such issues mm-hmm. with the Boston media, with the Boston fans. No doubt. Bad, bad. But th- then it's even more critical for you to have those strong bonds and relationships in in the safe place, which is the clubhouse or the locker room or what have you. I would have liked that question. Uh, what I didn't like that David Price said is I came to Boston. I just want players to be honest, right? He said I came to Boston for this moment here. No, it was, <laughs> it was the two hundred seventeen <laughs> yes. million dollars. It was the click on your account. That's the moment. Oh, Boston would have been the last place. Diego, he would have gone to Milwaukee, whatever team it was that would have paid him the Just most say money. That. Why right. can't you say that? Yeah, well, you know how it is. You can't say that. You have to play the game. No, you don't. I said it. I mean, I wasn't David. What do you mean? No. You got two seventeen? No, no, no. But no, when people ask me like, wh- why I wouldn't play for the Heat necessarily? Like my last time around, I was like, because they, like you talked gave me three times you. as much more money. Like, <laughs> right. what do you want me to do? I got a, a mortgage, <laughs> right? You got kids. Like, to feed. I got kids to feed. Like, what's yeah. the difference between five and ten? Five million dollars? What are you talking about? Oh, jeez. Remember the Fortnite deal when he was banned from playing Fortnite? Do you think it's... Oh, that's he played he last night. Did? He played two nights ago. He did. He went public to say, what did he do to relax before his start? He and Evaldi played Fortnite. There you go. Really? Which, Just to relax. Get away from it. So, uh, carpal relaxing? tunnel carpal tunnel, or getting your mind off the game? Whatever's you need Fortnite to get your... It used to yeah, be to relax. Watch. Well, wouldn't you rather him have played Fortnite than go out in the clubs and hit the town all night? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every single Absolutely. time. Unless you're getting carpal tunnel. Then <laughs> I bet it's not. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's good for us. If baseball scene's a wrap. Do you think they repeat? Them or the Astros? It's so hard. Yeah, I think them and the Astros and the Yankees are going to be the favorites again. Yep. All three of those teams. Houston has a free agent or two, but those are the powerhouses. We talked about it and predicted it. The winner of the American League was going to win the World Series, and they were they should have swept. Ian Kinsler made an error yeah. in the 18-inning game. Short of that error on the 27th out, or by then it was the 50th out, but they would have swept the Dodgers, and that would have been it. Yep. All right. Congrats to the uh, Red Sox. We'll have to watch the parade today, the boat parade. Uh, all right, let's wrap. Let's get uh, Brady Quinn in here. We're going to wrap it up. Oh, Brady's coming in? No. Yeah, okay, Brady's going to help us break down NFL. And I'm going to defend my man Kirk Cousins because he's taking a lot of heat after that loss last night to the Saints. That's all next on Off the Bench. Welcome back. Off the Bench. Let's get Brady Quinn in here to help us break down the NFL action from the weekend. All right, Saints, Vikings, last night, Sunday Night Football. Saints, I think, have separated themselves in that category with the Rams, where they're kind of the top two teams in the NFC. I thought the Vikings were in that stratosphere. <laughs> Obviously not at home, not being able to get it done. But Kirk Cousins, can we lay off my man? 
Can we take? Can we lay off him? Because I don't put that I, one on him. You know who, who are you putting on? Who came, in, who, right. who came in here killing Kirk Cousins today? Everybody on my Twitter handle because I try to defend <laughs> him. I think, but see, here's the it's only because you that, have oh he's not up. this good quarterback. He's not that he can't get it done. Can't win in prime time. Like that's the that's what you hear. But it's not his fault that Adam Thielen fumbled going in before half and completely shifted the momentum. It's not his fault that Stephon Diggs stopped running on a crossing route when it's first man coverage. You're supposed to keep going versus zone. You sit it down and he ran the wrong route, so it was a pick six on Kirk Cousins, but people don't look at those types of things. They just say, oh, Kirk Cousins can't get it done, and that drives me nuts. I had a quarterback coach named Jim Zorn, right? Yeah. Uh, I played former head coach for the Washington Redskins, and he used to say this. He used to say, ultimately, it, it goes under your name in the box score. Yeah. So he said, look, as much <laughs> as you want to put it on anyone else, you have to be accountable for the decisions that you make, and, and I don't think there's anyone who's going to look at the Thielen fumble and think that has anything to do with Kirk Cousins. But the other interception, it does. Right. He could have eaten it. He could have just thrown it away, anything else. I'm with you, though. I think he gets more blame than he should. He's got like a case of the Andy Daltons yeah. where we look at him in prime time and think he's just not going to play well. I think the defense should get a little bit more blame for the Vikings because that was a defense that coming into the game, I thought they had improved. They were better. And I thought when when New Orleans wanted to, they could move the football for the most part. Um, with the exception of really the only mistake Drew Brees has made all year with one interception, which was phenomenal, by the way. This far into the year is only one interception. I, I thought if, if you were going to um, look at someone who almost gave that game away, though, it was Eli Apple. I mean, I, you hate to blame a Giants player, but yeah. him just getting there, they picked on him the entire game. I thought that was one of the reasons why the Vikings were even in that thing. But you know, nonetheless, they're able to overcome it. Here's what I'm saying about Kirk Cousins. Here we go. If you take the bag... Right? Yeah. You got the bag. You got the guaranteed bag. Yeah. 84 million. In. Then the narrative is, is what it is. Like that comes with the good stuff, right? Like you, you in the bag. You, it's yeah. in the bag. <laughs> you get the benefit of the wins when Adam Thielen like catches a little screen pass and breaks for like 90 yards. That all goes under your, your, you know, yeah. passing totals and you've won the game. And so you have to take, uh, the losses with the, and so if the narrative is that he can't win in prime time because he hasn't won in prime time yet, then it's fair. I'm not yep. saying that it's his fault necessarily. You right? always get too much credit and too much blame as the quarterback. No it's doubt. Happening in New York with, uh, Eli Manning, who's, I, the, the question that we've proposed here in our rundown is should the Giants bench Eli? Who the heck are you yeah. going to put in there? Cause they drafted Kyle Loletta. They've got Alex Tanny, who I don't even know who it was. Trick is shot. their backup. Trick shot. So that's I, I, I trick was, shot? that's trick shot. Oh, you, so you know him. Oh, I know him. <laughs> Cause he's been around like eight different he teams got, in seven years. He got signed onto the Kansas City Chiefs back with us in 2012. Terrible year for us. But they had said at one point, they said, have you seen his YouTube tape? Stop. <laughs> and we're like, no, he does. Uh, I, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't know that was him. He had put together this compilation of all these trick shots and these throws. And so then we would go out. We have, you know, you have the quarterback competition. Yeah. You go out, you're doing target throws. Dead last. Dead last. Dead last. And we're sitting there over here like, who is this guy? Get this trick shot guy out of here. And then the best part, he goes, yeah, some of those throws may have been edited. I was like, oh, my God. This guy got signed off an edited YouTube video? Are you serious? Yeah. Well, man, what is he using that for his resume it's tape incredible. around the league? He's one of those guys that I just don't understand. And it's basically – it's because you can hide on rosters. Probably really good in the, in the quarterback room. You're really good in practice. Yep. You're a good pro. And yet you never, it's harsh to sound, but you never get exposed as yeah. not being as good game player because all you play is in the preseason. And, and maybe your dad or grandfather had helped <laughs> someone else get a job at one point. Right. So now all of a sudden you're a good guy in the roster. That, that could be the case. But there's no way they can bench Eli with him as the backup. They can. Because look, they they're, will? they're out of playoff contention at some point. They're not going to go to Tanny. Tanny's just there to get him out of a game, right? Not to go in and start a game. You know, Kyle Laletta, they should give an opportunity at some point because 
this regime can't think that they're going to move forward next year with Eli Manning. I know he's got the no trade clause. Everyone's talked about that. I think he'd probably be either a willing to waive it or they just outright release him. Yeah. And they'd say, you know, let's just kind of go our separate ways. We didn't think that was going to happen with his brother in Indy. It did. It maybe came via injury, but that actually happened. I think that could be the case here with Eli. Yeah, I look, I get that it's a mess, but I'm not, I don't think it's a good look for New York. Other markets, maybe. I don't know if it's a good look for New York to part ways with Eli and roll out Kyle Loletta. I don't, I don't know that he. Last year they lost their minds when they put it. Yeah. In, but this but year was the streak. That, that had to do with the streak though right. too, right? right? Like he had all those consecutive starts. And so that now they were breaking the streak for what? And it would have been, I think, more understandable if it was um, Davis Webb at that point. Instead, it was Geno Smith, and that's where people got upset because right. they're like, "This guy's already had his shot." We were supposed to be looking at something else behind him. Mm-hmm. If you had, a, if that's something else was like Patrick Mahomes, where you took a swing on a kid, like you know what I mean, or or some something that was like there's potential there that you well, think a first could round be something. Yeah, round. but I don't, I don't. Again, I don't know if Carlo let it checks out. That's the biggest. I think the biggest mistake the Giants have made is not having this, pl- not any plan, right, uh, to succeed Eli Manning. It's always been like, well, we'll take a flyer in the third or fourth round and see if it works out, and that's the same situation they went to Laletta, but they got to figure it out and give an opportunity. And I think the difference is too, you were at that spot where you could have done that. I mean, you you weren't like the Chiefs who a couple years ago had to trade up to the number ten spot, right. gave Mahomes a red shirt year. And, and then end up putting him as a starting quarterback. You were at that spot. You could have stuck there, taken Sam Darnold, let him sit, let him learn. And then at this point in the season, we probably would have seen him starting and playing in some games if it looked this bad. Yep. Uh, the Bucks are in a similar quarterback quandary with Jameis Winston. They're in a critical year and need to decide his future. He's been, I see, here's the thing with Jameis and I don't, he has never eliminated his mistakes that he's made all the way back to his last year at Florida State. He just, He's careless with the football, and he just takes way too many risks and puts his team in a bad spot. And yesterday was no different. Four interceptions. He gets back. Fitz Magic brings him back, ties the game, and then Dalton with you know thirty seconds left gets back and they actually win. But I think, and I hate saying this, but I think Jameis's time in Tampa is done. Here's what I'd say: If you get the right offer, you trade him because before some, this week's trade before money. this week's trade deadline. But when I say right offer, I mean something really rich. I'm talking about two ones, maybe you know a one and a two at, at the at a minimum, because Jameis Winston has some ability. But you're right, he hasn't been able to eliminate the poor decisions at times. However, he's on the road, he's going up against a team where he, they were trailing, so they had to come back in that game. Um, but but the way I see it is this: if you don't trade him now. Hold on to him because technically he's still under contract for somewhat of an economical value. If you're talking about a franchise guy mm-hmm. and if some other team believes that he's going to be the guy, you can go ahead and trade him in the offseason where you can create a market. And now that number's definitely going to, going to jump up because right now, if you trade him before the deadline, not too many people are looking at saying we're a Jameis Winston away from being a Super Bowl contender. Right. So because of that, it has to be a really, really sweet deal. If you were Jacksonville, would you say, or Derek Carr, because I know Gruden shut it down, but I still think he'd, be, if, they, if you had the right offer, I think they would move him for sure. If you're Jacksonville, would you want either of those two quarterbacks uh, over Blake Bortles? I would say no based on what Blake Bortles did, um, th- this past week. I don't think he was the issue in the loss to Philly in London. Um, but also I think you want to give yourself more time to see who the potential of the quarterbacks could be this offseason, right? I mean, the quarterback class, I don't think looks good for next year's draft class. I'm not saying you're eliminating whoever the top guy is going to be, but there definitely isn't one distinguished guy. Mm-mm. And then if you look at what, who could be the free agent quarterbacks or trade potential, there's some guys out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some some guys who have experience and who have ability. 
Uh, and, and Jameis could be one of them. So I would rather wait if I was Jacksonville or any of those other teams right now. All right, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that Jaguars-Eagles game with our boy Pete Prisco. He's waiting in the wings for us. So let's get to break, and we'll get him up next on Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. Keep it rolling here on a Monday. Let's get to our guy Pete Prisco, who joins us every Monday to uh, help us break down the NFL. Cleveland Browns, they got off the schneid this year, got their first win, but they've lost three in a row. After last week's loss, you heard uh, Hugh Jackson call out his offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, said he wants to get more involved. Then it becomes a whole thing this week, and Hugh's like, no, I didn't, and it continues to go on. Hugh Jackson says there's nothing wrong with my relationship with Todd Haley. Uh, you can never believe what you hear in the press. Then, you know, Mary Kay Cabot reports that Todd Haley could be fired as early as this week. Pete, what the heck is going on in Cleveland? We know what it is. It's like a, a king who sits on the throne and he's looking over to his left and he sees the guy that's ready to take his throne and he, so he's going to try and beat him before he gets him. You know what I mean? So it, look, if, if they're going to fire Hugh Jackson, who do you think they're going to promote? They're probably going to promote Todd Haley. So if you're Hugh Jackson, what do you do? You try and fend it off. You get rid of him. And it hasn't working. I mean, let's be honest about it. Baker Mayfield hasn't got much better. The offense hasn't got much better. There's obviously an issue there. But what Hugh Jackson needs to realize is they want to fire him and they get he gets rid of Todd Haley, they can just promote Greg Williams if they want to. So uh, I don't get it. It's a mess. It's an ugly situation. And if you look at Hugh Jackson's record, what is he, second worst all-time in the history of the league? Uh, he knows what's coming. He's got to be realistic at this time. Great point. Yeah, second worst, I believe, Burt Bell, who was a, a former, that's minimum 40 games, who was a, uh, he was a former owner, so he really couldn't fire himself. Uh, but, and, he, and he became a commissioner of the league, by the way. That's I don't right. think Hugh Jackson's right. going to become commissioner of the NFL after he's fired. Probably not. Uh, but, but Pete, you touched on something I wanted to ask you about, this Cleveland Browns offense. Do you, do you really feel like it hasn't gotten any better? I mean, one of my concerns with Baker Mayfield coming in was he was so good at the college level, uh, I, I almost felt like there really wasn't much more room for him to improve. He just kind of needed this this really talented group out around him. How do you see this offense moving forward with, with Mayfield at quarterback? Well, the tackles have had major problems the last couple of weeks. I mean, you look at the left tackle, he's really struggling, and, and Hubbard was bad uh, as well on, on Sunday against the Steelers. So when you combine that, he's running around. He's, he's getting a lot of pressure. He's got to you know improvise, but that's what he does, right? I mean, you, you would think that they would be able to, to kind of feed off of that Maybe they need to do something by playing fast. When he was at Oklahoma, he played fast. He was up tempo. He, he, he looked like he was, you know, in the backyard football. I think at times maybe the Browns need to try more of that to kind of cater what he does and kind of take some of the pressure off of those tackles. Pete, I guess my question is like, why is everybody bugging out in Cleveland? They're two, five and one. They didn't win a game. Like, like what, is, what is the panic? Like, I would, I would think that there would have been some realistic expectations and they couldn't have been necessarily like blowing the doors off the AFC this year. No, and you know what else, Roger? Look, they could even have a better record. They've been in every game right. except for a few of them, and, and, and I agree with you. Look, they're moving forward in the right direction. I just think when you look at it on the surface and you see Hugh Jackson's record, you say, oh, my gosh, second worst all-time in the history of the league, and we still have him as a head coach. I understand why people get frustrated, but they are moving in the right direction. This wasn't going to be the year, not when you start a rookie quarterback. Next year's the year when they can compete for a playoff spot. Pete, in the NFC, you've sort of got the Saints and Rams have separated this, themselves, uh, you know, ahead of the field. Would you put the Seahawks or Panthers anywhere close to those two at the top? No, not yet. No, I, and, and I give both those teams a lot of credit. I mean, let's be real about the Panthers. 
They won that game a couple weeks ago against the Giants on that long field goal, then went to Washington and lost. Then they were down, you know, 17 in the fourth quarter of Philly, and we were burying them. They come back in that game, then beat a good Ravens team, and all of a sudden you look up and they're 5-2, and two, and, and they're getting better. So give them credit, but they're not in that class yet. And then on the other side, I mean, Seattle, you know, Pete Carroll, he scrapped that whole thing. It's an entirely new group, and they're playing better football on, on defense, and Russell Wilson's playing really well. But the biggest difference, the offensive line. They get rid of Tom Cable, and all of a sudden the offensive line, the same guys with the exception of DJ Fluger, they're playing much better. So... I don't think either one of those teams is in the class of the Rams or uh, the Saints, but if they can continue to grow, they're going to be potential playoff teams. Oh, come on, Pete. You're just saying that because you've never been a big fan of Russell Wilson. Give the guy some credit, all right? He's the best player on that team. He's he's leading them back to the playoffs this year. He's getting to the playoffs? We'll, we'll see. But, look, he's playing good football, Brady. I never said he wasn't a very good quarterback. I just think everybody thinks he's <laughs> I don't great. know, There's Pete. Only... I don't know. You used to bring There's out the quarterback so scales great... versus him. There's only so many great quarterbacks in this league, and he's very, very good. He's just not great. I only consider Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze as being the guys who are great in my book. Pete, we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday in London lose to the Eagles, and this four-game slide, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I thought they would be – I thought they got a chance to go back and, and play in the AFC Championship game uh, again this season. Couldn't have been more wrong. How did it get to this spot so fast, like this fall this fast? Well, I think it starts with the offense. I mean, they had a ton of injuries on that side of the ball, and Bortles is one of those quarterbacks that needs everything to go right for him to play well. And everything on that side of the ball isn't going right. But, but you know what? In London, it wasn't on him. He wasn't awful. He did some really good things. He threw for 286 yards. Should have had three touchdown passes, had one dropped, and had DJ Chark fall down on one that should have been a touchdown. I go back to the defense, and, and you know, this is, and I've said it, and Brady gives me crap about it, I thought it was going to be a generationally good defense, and when you look at it, they aren't. They had them pinned back on the two-yard line on Sunday, and the Eagles went 98 yards for a touchdown. Then they cut the lead to 17-15. Your defense is supposed to make a stop, get the ball back, go down and try and win the football game. Well, what happens? They go down and get a touchdown. It, that can't happen against that defense. They rush four. They're not winning in individual battles up front consistently enough. They got to start blitzing. They got to start playing different back there in the back end. Uh, for me, I think, look, the offense is what it is. It's very limited. They haven't had their best player in Leonard Fournette, but defensively, they haven't been as good either. And I think that's kind of bled over from what happens on the offense. Pete, any concern about uh, defense coordinator Todd Washburn's job security at this point? I mean, usually they have to make a change when things are going like this. You know, a couple of weeks ago, somebody called for his head. But, Brady, they're not awful. That's the thing. I mean, you look at their numbers. They're not awful. They're, I think they're third in the league. You can't. It's hard to fire a guy when his defense is third in the league. And they did play on Sunday without two of their top three corners. So you kind of get a little bit of a break there. But I, I thought they'd be significantly better than what they are. I don't think he's going to get fired. Uh, but they got some problems coming out of their bye in a couple of weeks. they got to pick it up. Pete, any concerns about them and what happened, them kind of going out earlier in the week and all that? I'm not sure if you were over there in London with them. I kind of suspect you would be if you, if you were in London. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when Coughlin was the head coach in Jacksonville, they always said, look how much discipline he has, look how much discipline he has. And, and I could tell you from covering that team, his players were out and about as much as anybody, okay? I can tell you that 100% certainty. And they had a lot of stuff going on. They had a ton of penalties. And now, when you look at this team, they, they have guys going out. Oh boy, that's nothing new. You guys know that. Everybody in the league does that. They just got caught. And then they also have a ton of penalties. I mean, they had some dumb penalties on Sunday. Disciplinary, Discipline penalties, they can't have that. And so somebody's got to tighten the ship there a little bit. They're supposed to be a tight ship, but it sure isn't looking like that's the case right now. All right, Pete, thanks for joining us, man. 
getting up early right, on this Monday. Um, Always, you guys. <laughs> so you referenced the question about the guys going out in the club. I don't think it was a big deal at all. Like it was earlier in the week when you go over to London. It's not like you're, it's not like a normal work trip where you're just one night. It's not like they were out the night before the game. Yes, it was late, but like guys go out late and there's a, there's a uh, time change as well. And the, the, the build, the tab deal, I could totally see that being a mix up. Right. I mean, they're going to pay, I don't know thousand euros be to mix up or who is paying it. <laughs> well, which, which part of that? Both. I think it could be both because those guys might have had bottle service. Like, I've been there's one before. too many zeros there. <laughs> like it should be exactly. 5,000 euros, not 50,000. Exactly. Um, look, people, athletes are like, what, what, are you, what are we supposed to do? Right. Like, you know what I mean? You got time to kill. Like, what do you, you want? You just sit in the room and twiddle your thumbs. Like that's, that's unrealistic, man. People are, you, how, I don't even know how old these guys were, but you're probably talking about late twenties, early thirties. Like, no, we're people, younger than that. Younger than that. Yeah. People are gonna have a life, man. Yeah. And that's part of, <laughs> right. you know, it's part right. of the game. They are, like when they reported, they're like, oh, they're going to be disciplined when they get back to Jacksonville. What are what, they going to do? What exactly happened with the tab? What happened? With so the they went there, they went out to the club yeah. and then they left and apparently, no one paid it, right? Yeah, they thought a someone had paid and then no one did, and it was, right. it was it was a little bit of confusion. Night in Atlanta, right? Prior to a game, go out with Craig Sager, got, you know, God rest his soul. We go out. Uh, he takes us to this bar. He says it's like you know he's affiliated with the bar and stuff like that. It's me, Steve Nash, a few other people. Um, Craig leaves, like, and he leaves us with some of his friends, and we were in this big like party van. So you know, Craig bounces. We stay for another hour or so, and we're headed out. We're like, all right, see you guys later. You know, we're bouncing out. Guy comes sprinting out of the bar and he like grabs us. He's like, Hey man, you guys, you guys have a really big bill. We're like, what? Craig, Craig, <laughs> Craig told us we were, <laughs> but it could have been the same situation, right? We didn't know. Yes. We just walked out of the bar. We, we wound up paying him and getting in a bus, but like could have been in the news the next All day. Look, the went to the, uh, went, went to London with the Denver Broncos. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're over there. They didn't even know who John Elway was. Like John Elway couldn't get in the club. Like when we were over there, there was a point in time when like they were like we don't, we don't know You're too, old. Right. too old, right? Too old, We're at capacity. Yeah, you're like too old. like sorry, we can't. Everyone's like, this is John Elway. Yeah. You don't understand. This is that guy in the U.S. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter who it is. We we can't let him in. So, um, it, look, there could have been a lot of confusion. Not only with a tab, but he was paying and what they maybe thought was comp and all that kind of stuff. I have no idea. Because think about it. When you're an NFL player, especially like in Jacksonville or some of the big cities, you go to a club, you go somewhere, some of that stuff gets comp. Some of it gets most taken of care of <laughs> because you show up and, and people want to show up to see you there. So maybe there was some of that going on. I, I don't know. Either way, it wasn't that big of a deal in my mind. Guys no, during the week not a big deal at all. Uh, you know what is a big deal? When you lose your job in the NBA. That happened. I want Rajah's reaction next and off the bench. All right, let's wrap it up with some leftovers. NBA news. I think it was a shock to everybody. Came out that Ty Lue, because we just did the segment. Just on, said it. We just came we, out. We just said we it. We were doing what? the odds of coaches to be fired, and we're like, oh, Ty Lue, nah, no chance. He's, yeah, Why was it shocking? Well, because their their roster is terrible. The roster is terrible, but you also yeah. felt like Ty Lue got put in that position by LeBron, and once he left. All of a sudden, he's looking around like there's no one who really had his back, was there? But no, but Kobe Altman, like I was there when 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 you were having the debate about David Blatt and Ty Lue, and Kobe Altman was one of the like people in the the office screaming for Ty Lue to have the job. So like I thought that they'd give him a year, you know, to figure out what to do with that young roster minus LeBron and see if they could kind of turn it over. My thing is, I, I was surprised he made he survived the LeBron exit. Like why didn't if you were and if obviously if they were on the outs, why didn't you just make the change before the season? That that's my question. Like Kobe, fine, you're zero six to your point, Brady. Like it's a mess. I got it, but it, uh, you're hearing that there's a philosophical difference between T. Lou 
and Kobe Altman in terms of T. Lou wanting to play vets. Usually old school coaches that played, they want to play the vets, right? Because you were a vet. You don't want to see a vet sitting over there while you go with the youth movement. When you want to um, win. Yeah, and you're trying to, you're trying to win, but, but you remember what it was like to be that dude, right? And you're still better. You're a better option than the young guy. From a front office perspective, you want to develop your youth, but that's a conversation that you should have had months ago. Yeah. We shouldn't, that should be manifesting itself in the first, you know, month of the season. You guys should have been on the same page there if you were functioning, um, the way an organization should function, right? And I think it speaks to a little bit of dysfunction there. Uh, LeBron James sent him a little love on Twitter. That was one of those, like he had to do something, but how did like Luke Walton probably like, yes. cause when we did that list of coaches in the, in the, uh, the club leaders in the clubhouse to be fired, Luke Walton was at the top of the list. Ty Lue was second. David Sampson asked, who is the Lakers Ty Lue? Remember? Oh, maybe it's Ty Lue. Ty Lue. <laughs> would you, that's crazy talk though, right? That's crazy. There's talk. no way LeBron would bring uh, him in. Cause if he's sure, he's pretty, <laughs> he's pretty passive aggressive. Uh, you guys is. just talked about Ty Lue too, not getting yeah. fired. Now he's gone. I'm just That's saying. pretty interesting. I don't know. He's pretty passive aggressive. It would forever tarnish that dude's legacy. And I'm with you. Like, I would not, I wouldn't rule out anything as it pertained to LeBron and, and kind of manipulating the pieces. Um, but damn, dude, if he did that, man, I, I'd have to be, I'd be off the LeBron bandwagon. I'm a fan. Yeah. But I'd be off. Right. Cause then you, then you get, then all the things that people like to say about you, yeah. they become true. Yeah. If you're a coach killer Correct. and you just want your guy right. in there that you can have now, mind you, up it there. I, I've, I've worked with him. Like I know, I know, but guys who are that good and they've got this beautiful mind for basketball, like sometimes you give them a little leeway and, and, and let them kind of do their thing. But this one, bringing a guy who, Who's leaving, you know, one job and you've already got a coach in place. If you were able to get him in there and get him in the coaching seat, like I'd, I'd, I'd be disappointed. Wait, tell me this much though, because when you bring up that point, you don't kind of feel like Luke Walton maybe is a puppet to LeBron. Like when you bring oh, up, for sure, like, I think anybody is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when you, well, maybe besides like, like a, I don't know, Phil Jackson or, or something Pop, like that, right? right? Or Pop. Yeah. Like those guys are just like, no, we, we don't want you then. Like if that's how you're going to handle it. Or Pat Riley, uh, what he did with the Heat because he kind of oversaw. Yeah. Oh. I've always thought that those were, that was the best version of a LeBron playing for somebody with a strong enough hand, but there were only a couple guys, and you yeah. just kind of talked because about because only a couple not, dudes that kind of cachet. If, look, if you're Luke Walton, wouldn't you bow down and kiss the ring? You want to keep your job, so you, your job basically is to keep him happy. Yeah, I don't know if I I bow down. You know and what kiss I mean? That's the why, that's but, why no, but I mean, I I would want to work with LeBron. Listen, listen, dude, I understand you're LeBron, all right, and I know what happens when you come into a place. You bring your whole staff, you bring everybody with you. I got it, but. Let's work together. Like, I don't want to be your boss, but you can't be my boss. So yeah. let's work th together. You know what I mean? That would be my thing to LeBron. And so, yes, would I concede some things? Like, we'd sit down, we'd talk about him if he had some valid points and they could work, maybe. But I'm certainly going to have a say in it. Here's my, if I'm going to go down, if I'm going to lose my job, and I told David Blatt this when he had the job in Cleveland, go down swinging, brother. Do it yeah. your way. Oh, yeah. So at least you can sleep at night if they fire. You don't do it his way and get fired. I love that, too. I, I love when a coach goes down, he just goes down swinging. It's emotional. He's just putting everything he has into it. it it's one of the best things. I, real quick, do you think that LeBron at this point in his career, though, this ends up being maybe an easier negotiation for Luke Walton? Like, just kind of saying, like, because I think at this point, as good as he's still playing, as good as he is, he still knows that he's getting into the later part of his career. He's going to need some help. I think eventually it will. Like, uh, right now, I think LeBron doesn't see it like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think, but I think LeBron understands that, and that's why he went there, that that youth movement is what's going to help him get, 
um, into the twilight, still winning championships potentially. And so I think that conversation becomes easier, you know, especially as these younger players start to play well. And I think LeBron, once he realizes that the pace of the game with that young team is what's going to ultimately be successful for them, I think there's going to be a little bit more buy into what Luke wants to do. Uh, Monday Night Football, Patriots on the road against the Bills. The Patriots are a 14-point favorite, and that's really the only <laughs> thing that makes this game interesting. Derek Anderson getting the start. What, he's been there for Come two weeks? Yeah, this will be his second game. <laughs> give my boy DA a shot. Give no, my boy DA a shot. He'll I, sling that thing around. Right? right? Why not? Yeah. But, I mean, seriously though, like why would you give him a shot? <laughs> because they, you know. So you think they can job Yeah. Well, so you, do I think they can cover? Look, it's a Because they're not going to win. It's you a divisional win? game in prime time, uh, in Buffalo. So, you know, like this is the NFL. I think it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. They got a chance to cover. It, it sounds nuts, but remember look, the last I, I know time. OGA, I just, I, I know how that kind of stuff works. It only, yeah, it doesn't have to be as good as he once was, but he can be as good once as he ever was. He's a former Pro Bowl guy. Like, I would, this always worries me when I see a line this big. Yeah. Monday Night Football. And, and, and you know, Pat's will have Gronk back. That's going to be a tough matchup, but, uh, I just, I look at it. It worries me. The last time the Bills were this much of an underdog was when they went to Minnesota and won the game outright against the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. So we'll, I'll have to see. Uh, we have to finish off a first time ever highlight on this show because we have a brand new segment. It's our top play of the weekend. Okay. So let's take a look at this. This is, uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, we have a new Super Bowl winner. Hey. <laughs> no, oh, this is young Ty Bell. Yes. He's a nine year old. Look at that. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, uh, get off me. Arm in that guy right uh, there. Another one. Arm. Showcasing the speed down the sideline. Yeah. Look at Take that. this from the distance. Yeah. He, and he told me it was supposed to be a reverse and he decided to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're going to do that, if you're better score, that's what you have to do. Absolutely. Because if the coach is going, no, no, no. And then he's like, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what he can do. Fantastic. Congrats to Ty on the Super Bowl championship. Appreciate that, brother. We'll have to get these highlights in here next. We'll get the other ones in here next. Good thing he's not watching. He'd be pissed, bro. That's simply rivalry as a mofo. That's right. Congrats to the Pee Wee Warriors of Weston. Good job.